0: Yeah, I, I, I read people. There, there are people that are in my chain of command that I wouldn't dream of making fun of or cracking a joke around because they probably take themselves too seriously. Don't tell them I said that.
1: Welcome, I am Dr. Sarah Spelsberg, and I'm your host on this edition of the World Extreme Medicine Podcast. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the tactical use of humor to manage stress in high stress environments, such as military service, pre-hospital EMS and emergency medicine. And my guest today is Tyler Butterworth. He is a member of the army national guard who created a way to use social media to recruit people with comedy. He's taken that idea and ran with it with over 500 videos. He includes his fellow soldiers, people in the community, his family, all in these videos. He's completely self-taught in videography, editing and marketing strategies. And he now serves as a member of the marketing team for the Army National Guard, where he will have a large role in the way that the Army National Guard uses multimedia to educate and inform. And I came across Tyler Butterworth's Instagram account and became an immediate fan uh, in high-stress careers such as military, law enforcement, emergency medicine, we often employ humor to help us cope with the things that we are forced to do and the things that we often see. And his satire of the pseudo and often faux fancy world of influencers has left me on the floor laughing. And I cannot recommend his Instagram account uh, enough. And it is at Butterworth da syrup, like Butterworth D-A-Syrup. D-A, and I can't recommend it enough, it's hilarious. So Tyler, first of all, thank you so much for taking time to spend with me on uh, the World Extreme Medicine podcast.
0: Of course, thanks for having me.
1: And you've had such an interesting, like really truly portfolio career. So you've been in the National Guard for 18 years now, and all of these have been in service of some sort, So in all what I would call a high-octane profession. So is there a common theme for you in being an EMT firefighter, police officer, detective, soldier?
0: Um, I, I guess uh, it all started from an in, in early age. Uh, in high school, or actually in middle school, 9-11 happened. Um, that's kind of what motivated me to do all of these things. So I was in uh, seventh or eighth grade when 9-11 happened. I think that very next week, I went down to the firehouse and I volunteered there. Um, I got my firefighter EMT. I did that through high school. Uh, a couple of days after I graduated high school, I joined the Army National Guard. Um, it, it's just always been about doing something like bigger than myself. I think that that's very important. Um, so I did that. Um, <clears throat> I decided to become a police officer uh, after talking to somebody, another soldier, sitting on a rooftop in Baghdad. I I figured I've done the uh, the soldier thing and the firefighter and EMT thing, so now I might as well try the police thing. So I did that.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And then you advanced through that to being a detective, a full detective.
0: Um, yeah. So I I was a patrol officer for about two and a half years. Um, after that, I became a, a gang unit detective, specializing in Latino or Hispanic gangs, specifically MS-13. Um, with that, there's a you know the incredible amount of violence associated with that, uh, drive-by shootings, stabbings, that nature. Um, again, I thought that I could do more as a specialized detective like that. And I did, um, after I kind of had my fill of that, I went on to become a street crime detective, which is kind of a a short, short, short term narcotics, um, prostitution, gambling, undercover work, that kind of thing. And that's what I did from there. And then I actually switched agencies and went to a sheriff's office because it was a little slower paced and closer to home. And now that I have kids, I didn't want to be hopping fences at 1am anymore.
1: (laughs) It changes your risk appetite, doesn't it? When you have a family.
0: Yeah, Yeah, a a lot.
1: (laughs) It, It does. Now you were also a farmer. What did you farm?
0: So I still am. I, uh, my wife and I, we bought, when I met my wife, I, I didn't know right off the bat that she was into horseback riding, but you know, I found out very quickly. Uh, So (laughs) I convinced her to move in after that. She owned one horse at that point. We decided that we wanted our own place so we wouldn't have to board horses anymore. So we looked at a bunch of land and we ended up buying 34 acres about an hour from D.C. Um, Everything that's here on our farm where we live now, I've built myself, my own two hands, uh, we had the house built. I built the barn, 15 acres of fencing, bunch of structures. Um, so, yeah, what we farm is is mainly uh, we make hay for our horses. I mean, we really don't turn a profit or anything. It's more so so that we can enjoy our hobbies here and raise our kids the way that we want to.
1: I love that. That is that's true. Renaissance right there. Yeah, thank that you. is great. That's great. And so I presume, you know, you're like us uh, in the ER, and sometimes in that, you know, you're sitting on a roof in Baghdad, and there's occasionally some downtime between really high intensity situations. And so how how did, have you always been a funny person? Or how did you first discover the power of humor in mitigating stress, like, especially in like, high stress environments? Like, I want to know what prompted your first video? Also,
0: so the the video wise, I'll I'll tell you that. But I guess um, to answer your question, like have I always been a funny person? I think I've. Pro- I think everybody probably thinks that they're a funny person. Um, <laughs> well, I think you could. So <laughs> I think. Uh, I've always been sarcastic and joking around. I mean, my, my mom says that my son is like a spitting image of me now because I guess when I was little, my mom would go to take a picture. And of course, I can't sit still or not make a funny face. So my son is like the exact same. So as far as uh, using comedy and those kind of, uh, I don't know, traumatic experiences or kind of stressful scenarios, I've just always found that that's, that's a very easy way to get people to remain calm, even if they're the person that's hurt or or wounded, whatever it is. It's just a very easy way. I, I remember as a firefighter at the age of like 17, telling somebody that had a, a pretty serious laceration, and just telling them, joking around and saying, you know what, this isn't really that bad. I don't know why you're just laying here and saying that. And they immediately looked at me and then they started laughing. And that was the whole desired effect. It wasn't that I was being, you know, callous or mean to the person, it was that I was, I was literally trying to make them laugh and it worked. So seeing that, I guess probably that was the most serious instance, you know, starting off the age of 17, you know, seeing that was just a random person. I was like, you know what, this, this works. This is, this is much more effective than, you know, trying to soft talk them and, you know, some of these other different approaches to make them feel better. I just, I figured, you know, I'll make, I'll make these videos now for the army and maybe it'll work. So I guess to, to answer your, your question about what prompted me to make the first video. Uh, (laughs) so in recruiting school for the army, we're taught all these different ways of communicating with people. And the, the main ways that they teach are phone calls, text messages, and emails. And so I tried that, um, my boss called me and he said, Hey, you're not making enough phone calls. And I, I was like, Roger Sergeant, I'll make more phone calls. So sat at my desk, I, I called, you know, hundreds of uh, phone numbers off of a high school list that we get. And, you know, everybody and their mother's mom is hanging up on me or cussing me out or telling me never to call them again. You know, out of two, 300 phone calls, i probably got three actual, like decent leads, but of course, none of them enlisted. So altogether, you know, three hours of time was wasted. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to see if I can, you know, find a better way to communicate with them. So I go to 18 different high schools to try to recruit people. Um and at one of the high schools I asked a probably 17-year-old boy that came up to the table. I asked him, I was like had a little conversation. I'm like, "What's your uh, Facebook?" And he pretty much laughed in my face and said, "My mom has Facebook." So I'm like, "Oh, okay, great. What do you have?" So he said Instagram. And then I realized very quickly that 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 is how, you know, that generation is communicating with one another. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to learn this. I'm going to immerse myself into social media like I'm a you know 16 year old and watch a bunch of YouTube videos. And <clears throat> I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So then I made my first video and I'm sit- sitting at my desk in the office at work. And it's me very formal, you know, squared up to the camera saying, you know, hello, my name is Sergeant Butterworth. I'm a recruiter with the Army National Guard. Super, super like in your face, like no personality. I'm a robot in the Army and I'm trying to recruit you. And so I watched that video and I'm like, okay. And then I made three more like it. And I'm like, these are all terrible and no one's watching them. So then I'm like, you know what, I'm going to make, I'm just going to be myself, I'm going to be funny, I'm going to say whatever I want, as long as I'm, you know, being professional and not cussing in anything. And, and so I did, I started making, you know, funny little videos, and those took off very quickly. Mm
1: -hmm. That was a
0: very long winded answer to your question.
1: It was perfect. It (laughs) was perfect. Um, Because it is, you know, you do strategically use humor, you know, like, I I would watch that, and I'm like, I want to be there. That looks like those guys are having fun, you know. Yeah. And I hope that we do this, in, yeah. And I hope we do the same thing in emergency medicine. Like, listen, we're we're happy. Like, now oh, we yeah. have good days and bad days, but this is this stuff is really fun, and uh, and it is and it is a fine line. So, and you touched on it a little bit, but can you elaborate more on the fine line between using humor to relieve stress and make these connections, but also maintaining professionalism?
0: So I think, uh, like for me, for being in the military and, you know, posting this kind of stuff, I, you know, just like, I'm sure you have rules. We have rules too, that are, mm-hmm. you know, kind of things that we need to adhere to for our social media policy and all that. So just like sharing a, a patient's information or something, I'm sure you oh, yeah. can do that. <laughs> you know, we can, not we can't cuss, we can't sell things in uniform. We can't do things like that. So, I mean, as long as you know the rules and you adhere to them you know you can be as creative as you want to be and that's something that i encourage people to do it's i think that you should instead of being you know a doctor or a soldier all the time 24 7 i think you should be yourself 24 7 and you should be able to show who you are and then maybe you can show who you are while you're wearing your scrubs or while you're wearing your uniform you know it's It's more personal that way. And I think showing that you're an actual person is going to kind of humanize what your job is or who you are. And I think that that is the most important aspect.
1: I love that. And and that helps you establish connections because they want to know that they have a, a human being taking care of them or defending them. And there was a quote that I read that made me think about about the stuff you're doing, and it's uh, Marshall McLuhan, and it's anyone who tries to make a distinction between education and entertainment doesn't know the first thing about either. Like exactly. if if you're entertaining people, you're also connecting with them and educating them and reaching them. And I, I have my friend uh, Fionn, to thank for that. She she sent me that quote, and I'm like, that is that's spot on with that.
0: It's it's perfect. I mean, that's I I go around to other states and other recruiting stations. The the army flies me around to do that now. And so in the little class that I put on about what I do, you know, that's one of the most important things is that anybody can make a funny video and anybody can make an educational video. But if you can combine the two, that's what really sells. And that's what's really going to relate to people. You want to be able to convey some information that's accurate in a way that they're going to understand it in a way that they're going to remember it. And that's not going to happen by standing there in your uniform or whatever it is, just reading a teleprompter and looking right into the camera. You know, it it makes more sense to you know, make it humorous in some way, humor, humor, sells. humor makes people remember things. And that's, a, that's a study. I mean, that's like, I forget all the the stats on it. But that definitely is the way to do it.
1: Oh, absolutely. The mnemonics that we use to remember things in medical school are, yeah. are hilarious, often inappropriate. But you never forget them because
0: Right, I can imagine they just, they
1: just stick, they just stick. Yeah. Um, so we touched a little bit on the lady or the person with the, um, the laceration and you said, oh, that's not that bad. Um, can you share any other instances where you saw humor make a significant impact on someone's stress levels, either on a military assignment or in an emergency medicine or a fire context? Or-
0: um, I mean, the, there's so many, like, I, it's like, I almost didn't think about it at this point, you know, being... Being overseas, you know, the the amount of like kind of the dark humor that you get from from that kind of thing, you know, being in war or whatever it is. The way that I think about it is there's so much negativity with a lot of these things. There's so much trauma or bad things going on that instead of dwelling on those and instead of focusing on those or even talking about them, talking about something different in a more positive light. Or even if you're talking about one of the bad things in a positive light, that makes uh, A world of difference. Um, My kind of go to would be if I if I would see, you know, if we're all having a bad time, like if we're all, you know, haven't showered for a couple weeks, and you know, we have to rock march somewhere, and it's just not not fun, you know, just just really not having a good time. You know, I think if you if you start complaining, like everybody else about how much this sucks, or how much this is terrible, That's not going to make anybody feel better. That's going to make everybody realize that, yes, this does suck. This is terrible. But if I walk up next to one of my soldiers while I'm sucking as well, and I say something along the lines of, I don't know why you guys are complaining. I'm having a great time. If I say that to them, they're going to look at me like I'm crazy, and they're probably going to laugh. And that's that's going to make them focus on something else to where they're not going to be worried about, you know, taking a shower or having a bad time. So that that's kind of the way that I use it. I mean, a specific example, that would, that would probably be one of them. But yeah, I, it, it's mainly that like paying attention, attention to people and what they're experiencing and, you know, watching their emotions and then reacting in a more positive way and not, not just a negative or even a, a affirming what they're feeling. Like, I don't know.
1: I love that. It, it, it is true, though. You can reframe your narrative in, in any way you want. And, and laughing about a, a sucky situation, you know, you, you're trekking through the jungle and it's raining again and everything you own is wet. Like I changed into my dry only last pair of dry clothes. And, uh, you know, and yes, those things are hard and, and they're really hard in the moment. But in hindsight, they're pretty amazing. But I love it how you can reframe the narrative uh, in real, yeah. in real time. And I think you can do that with anything, you know, like that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. It, you know, even though this is hard, even though this is tough, like hard things are hard and they're often worth it. Right. I love, yeah, I love absolutely. that. And so have you encountered any like challenges or resistance to using humor in any of these uh, settings?
0: Um, no, I really haven't. Um, in the beginning, when i was making the videos specifically for recruiting uh my boss would call me and say that i'm wasting my time with making videos and i need to make more phone calls and that kind of thing and i'm like okay and so i <clears throat> you know obviously i'm in the military if if somebody at a higher rank tells me to do something i'm going to do it that's how this that's how this game works so i did it but then at the same time i you know fulfilled all my responsibilities i was supposed to do but then i would still make the videos you know i I love making videos. So I did a video where I I guess I like kind of made fun of my boss indirectly. Um, But it was me sitting at my desk and the caption on the video said, my boss telling me to make more phone calls. And so I'm sitting there at my desk, like super bored. And then the next clip was me sitting at a, a Mexican restaurant here and I'm eating chips and salsa and drinking a margarita. And then it said something about making a video that reaches millions of people. And so I, I posted that and that video itself got a million views. And so then after that, my boss asked, you know, well, how do you know that those are people within your area? And I'm like, because I can see the insights, it shows me. And so after that, they're like, we're gonna leave this guy alone, we're not going to bother him anymore. You just recruit the people you're supposed to recruit and we'll leave you alone. So that's what I did.
1: I would love to see the number I would love to see like the numbers, on uh, like comparing like a traditional phone approach and your recruitment numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I suppose uh, some people enlist and they never say why.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. And, you know, it, it's more so like for recruiting. And that's what every like recruiter or talent acquisition specialist, they all ask you like, Oh, man, we'd love to love to see your numbers. And it makes sense. Like you. Absolutely. You know, I I can attribute hundreds of enlistments to my name. But what I often think about is the recruiting thing is one, but it's also like kind of brand awareness. It's brand awareness of me as a person, the army, and and the recruiting. So it's like making these videos doesn't just enlist people. It also makes people just think about it. And so mm-hmm. that kind of thing can't be quantified. And that's something that I think about a lot. It's like that would be very interesting to see How many people watched the video and then went on to to do something that they normally wouldn't? So I don't know.
1: And morale, morale for the people who are there now and who are already there.
0: It's amazing. I I was just in Texas, and every time I go to an airport, you know, soldiers, everyday people. I've had a uh, 75-year-old woman come up to me in the airport and say, "I love your videos." And this 75 year old woman has never been in the military, but she's seen the videos and she's like, it makes me feel good. I I like watching them, you know, it makes me happy. And I'm like, well, that's why I do it. That's why I like it, so.
1: I just got goosebumps. That is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, So uh, do you ever feel like you have, or do you ever take action, action to tailor your comedic approach to like diverse audiences?
0: I do. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to like expand now. So as a uh, as a creator, you know, like, it, it's very easy for me to do military related things now. But it's like, I have kids, I have a farm, I have a, you know, beautiful wife. And I think about like, how we're all funny, like, my wife doesn't think I'm funny at all. And we don't think each other are funny, because we're, we're literally like this all the time. Like the videos you see of us, acting or something like that, that my wife and I do, like, that's literally our interaction. So I guess that would be tailoring it to my audience. I, uh, I did a a video this morning about the top five gifts for men for the holidays. And it's simple things, you know, cause my wife is like, you're the hardest person to shop for. And I'm like, that's a great idea. You know, why don't I make a video that could apply to, that could help women out or whoever to buy gifts for men that are more simple, you know, I just want socks. I want a nice pair of socks. Like <laughs> I don't need some well thought out gift. <laughs> it can be that simple.
1: So no, I, <laughs>
0: yeah, I tailor it based on what I think will actually help people or, or educate them about things that maybe are like people think are complex, if that makes sense
1: absolutely i love the video where your wife is pretending like she's all your followers on social media
0: oh yeah yeah she
1: it was so where she's got like all these computers mm-hmm. and phones up and then she pushes it <laughs> it was pretty funny she was cute yeah. Yeah. That was a really funny one. Um, so any, and we're circling back a little bit on like morale and team cohesion. Like, are there any specific techniques or strategies that you find particularly effective using humor to foster camaraderie and team cohesion?
0: I I think but that- That's kind of a esoteric uh, question. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I remember, I think I was 18, uh, it was around Christmas time. We were in Iraq and not having the best of times, you know, like just not having a good time. Everybody misses home. And we had a uh, a company commander and first sergeant and they had everybody come down to the motor pool. Uh, that's where like we keep all of our vehicles and everything and all of our equipment. We all had to go down there early in the morning and we thought we were in trouble or we had to like clean the trucks or something. And it was, they had pulled trucks together and like made a stage and they had hot chocolate and, you know, snacks and stuff like that. And the whole purpose was they wanted each squad to send one person up to impersonate somebody in the chain of command. And so the whole purpose was to, to make us all laugh and like a comedy-based thing, and it worked. I mean, I went up there and I think I acted like the company commander of the first sergeant or something, and guys are like crying laughing from all of this, and not just me, like everybody's doing it. But like that, that it, that again is, is using comedy for, you know, making people feel better, you know, no matter what. Like it's it can be that simple. So if you have a group of people that are in a traumatic situation or something, you know, obviously you can all sit down and talk about it, but I don't know, taking your mind off of those things with comedy is is much more important in my mind.
1: Absolutely. I think I think I think that it's a balance that we have to navigate for sure. Yeah. Um do you like sometimes I find timing is so important in humor like sometimes I find because I'm not a particularly like immediate witty person every once in a while I am but so what role does timing in using humor affect like effectively in high stress situations and and how do you navigate that balance like are you ever like me where like an hour later you're like oh that would have been funny
0: yeah of course I think that all the time um timing wise it really depends on what the what the traumatic event is, you know, like as a detective or a police officer, I've done hundreds of death notifications for family members or, you know, seeing a murder take place or something like that. And then have to tell the family, like, obviously that's not the time to joke around. Like, Hey, guess what happened? You know, it just yeah, doesn't make sense. Absolutely. You know, you do the serious stuff when it's, when it's necessary, but maybe when I follow up with the person, I'll remember something they said, and then maybe make a joke about it, not about the death, but about something that would take their mind off of it. So timing is very important um, in those kind of like high stress environments or situations. Um, and it's, it definitely takes reading a person and it like actively listening to what they're saying.
1: And have you ever been in a difficult situation? Like do you have a personal anecdote where somebody else employed humor and that played a crucial role in diffusing your, your attention or your stress?
0: Yes. Uh <laughs> I, uh, I was, uh, walking for a very long time, uh, in Iraq and it was dark. We had night vision on, I was just not having a good time. Like just not feeling good. I was having a bad day, you know, missing home. Some, maybe some girl broke up with me at home. I don't know what it was, but I was just not feeling good and really tired. My legs felt like jello. And I'm walking and I think I tripped and fell and like landed on a, you know, something and it hurt. And I just remember like, like getting all teary eyed and thinking like, man, this is awful. And next thing I know, I had a squad leader. uh, His name was Sergeant Sparks. He picks me up, you know, like with one hand, he's a real big guy, picks me up and he spins me around. And he's like, I don't know why you're just laying there. We got to keep going. And in that moment it made me laugh. I'm like, what am I what am I doing? Like, why am I complaining? And so that kind of thing like that for me, I've had quite a few people that have done that for me. You know, you make a joke when somebody is like you can tell, like you can tell when somebody's having a bad day or not feeling good. A joke will go a long way instead of, you know, Hey, how you doing? Are you doing okay? Like that. That's good to ask too. But if you can if you can make a, a real quick joke that will take their mind off it, of, you know, that that does it for me, I can tell you that.
1: It does, my mom has always said, if if uh, you, you can laugh or you can cry in some, in certain situations, that, that yeah, you, you have to choose. Um, and she would always be like, okay, you, sad time is over. Figure it out, like, now it's time to figure yeah. it out. Like, what's next? That's, uh,
0: that's exactly what I said
1: yeah so important and so you mentioned impersonating like a a a ranking officer a senior officer um and and i think it's very important that they don't take themselves too seriously and that they can see the value in that like it's not it's not you know an insult to you it's 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 using your nuances to to create a a cohesive team but uh do you have to like adapt a little bit for different ranks or roles within the military Cause I, there, I mean, there is a hierarchical structure or do you just read each individual and you're like, Nope, don't make fun of Sergeant. Like,
0: yeah, I, I, I read people there. There are people that are in my chain of command that I wouldn't dream of making fun of or cracking a joke around because they probably take themselves too seriously. Don't tell them I said that, but
1: <laughs> we just did. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <It's>
0: <laughs> <appropriate>. <laughs> um, yeah, I I went up and I briefed the uh, the sergeant major of the army, the uh, chief of staff of the army, and the secretary of the army. And I walk up there and I'm like super nervous. This is like a big deal. Like these are very important people in a very high position, and I'm just some you know Joe Schmo that makes funny videos. And so I walk up there and I before I can even like get a word out, the secretary of the army goes, "Oh, it's uh, Butterworth the syrup. You're hilarious. I love your videos." And so I'm like. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go up there and like crack a joke about the sergeant major of the army in front of him, but definitely in conversation, you know, as I get to know somebody or I can read them, you know, I I have, I made a joke that wasn't well received. Of course, I'm sure everybody has at this point, but yeah, uh, reading them and and seeing kind of what their humor level is and how serious they take themselves is very important.
1: <laughs> yes, I can only imagine. I mean, we have, we definitely have ranks in emergency medicine. You know, there are, oh, yeah. there are times when my answer is yes or yes, ma'am, and that's it. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it definitely, reading people individually is very important. Right. Uh, so, I, and on that note, like, how can those leaders encourage a culture that embraces humor as a tool for stress relief without undermining the seriousness of the work at hand?
0: I think, again, it goes back to being personable, being a person first, um, not being a uniform, not being, you know, I am, I am a doctor first. No, you're a person first. You can, you can be a person and demonstrate who you are. And I think by doing that, it's going to let people kind of open up to you more. And that's, that's really, there are guys that are, um, that I've been in charge of as a weapon squad leader or whatever it is in the military that look at me and they're like, man, you're, you're killing it with the videos and everything, but I I don't remember you like that. And then I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you were very serious. And, I, and then I asked them, I was like, when was I serious? And they're like, well, when we were doing training or when we were going on missions. And I was like, was I serious when we weren't doing those things? And they're like, no. And I'm like, exactly. So I have always been like this. It's just when, when it's time to be serious and when it's time to accomplish the mission, that's what I'm gonna focus on.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so important. And I, 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 don't know if anyone's like measured this. I'll actually do. I'll do a lit review later and try to see if I can find it. But any, have you observed? Do you think any long term effects of incorporating humor into these high stress environments, such as decreased post post traumatic stress injury? Um, I know we, I know we can quantify improved morale. Um, I wonder yeah, if moving I, forward, it's part of the debrief.
0: Yeah, I. Other than my personal experience and you know the messages I get, like so the the messages I get just to give you an idea on Instagram or TikTok or wherever it is, like I get hundreds of messages every day, and so the majority of messages um, are people saying, you know, I love your videos, keep it up, or you know, I, I've been in a really dark place, and watching your videos makes me feel better. I had one a while back from. <clears throat> a lady that said that her mom had just died in the hospital from cancer and that they were watching my videos before she died and that they were all laughing. So when I see something like that, it's like none, none of this stuff matters to me other than that. You know, that's that's why I wanna keep making videos. That's why I wanna keep making people laugh. Like that's, that's very important. Like that's the most important thing, so.
1: And, and I brought that up because Several years ago, I had a horrible, horrible shift and a, a kid came in and was talking, playing with my stethoscope, told me he wanted to go to medical school and then looked at me and said, I don't feel well, turned blue and he was gone. And, and I was, I, it really hit hard because, you know, you connect with these people and you can, especially the kids. And, it, and I just kept thinking, maybe I missed something, you know, what, what did we miss? You know, how did we fail this kid? And, um. And I, you know, I got I got professional help, I did all those things, and I still like couldn't sleep. I mean, it, it was like it was like legit. But yeah. I st- one night I stumbled across um the impractical jokers TV show. Yep. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But it's watching that, I it could, it could hijack my brain. Yep. It made exactly. me, you know it actually did make me laugh, and it would hijack my brain off of that experience enough to where I could sleep. I mean, there were months where I slept, be, you know, because I watched that for thirty minutes, and it and it was just enough to hijack my brain. I mean, I later found out that this kid had something brewing in him. There was nothing anyone could have done. Right. You know, we did our best for him. Like it, it, wasn't anything we did wrong, which which helps a little bit yeah. when you when you can let that part of uh, the grief go. Um, but I just that that humor, I I really credit. I mean, with counseling, even I took medicine for a week. Um, I, I credit the impractical jokers with getting me through that, um, yeah, PTSI.
0: Yeah. I, I think I tell my wife when I, when I first met her, um, she, she would say I would have, you know, I would have the night sweats and night terror and nightmares and all that kind of stuff and be all over the place while I'm sleeping next to her and to the point she would go and sleep in the other room. But, you know, as I got to know her better and everything and we got married and all that. And then we had kids, you know, I've kind of, it's like that just having somebody that you, you care for that much. And that you know, loves you and everything for me, like comedy aside, like that feeling is is just that it's like, I won't say it cured me, but you know, it's the opposite now where she's waking me up because I'm snoring because I'm such a sound sleeper now. So it's, She's like, oh man, I kinda wish you were still having nightmares. <laughs> but <laughs> no, she uh she definitely has has calmed me down a lot where I, I again I don't I don't think about those those bad times or stressful times that I had. And so it's mm-hmm. you know, just like you have the impractical jokers, you know, that I can kind of attribute my wife for you know, making me feel better and not dwelling on the things that, you know, I couldn't control really.
1: And I and I should share the credit with Alton. That's that's not fair to give it all to of me to give it all to a practical joker. having right. having a rock and an, and an anchor, you know, to keep your, your boat from oh, flying all over in the ocean, it's is huge.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is. Very cool.
1: And so as an emergency medicine physician, I see quite a bit of overlap and sometimes like ludicrous nature of what we find online and the absurdity of our real life day-to-day. So beyond the military and emergency medicine, um, what are like? Do you see potential applications for the use of humor in other high-stress careers? And what advice would you have for them in those fields? I mean, I know it's kind of it would be kind of hard for police officers to make videos necessarily, but maybe not.
0: (laughs) I feel like (laughs) I can make a video of anything. Uh, So I, I think you could you could apply comedy to almost like. Any any career, any situation, you know i I would teach a class at the high schools while I was a recruiter about policing and stuff like that. And so I titled the class "How to Get Out of a Speeding Ticket." And so, do you think you know how many kids do you think showed up to that? Literally, like the entire graduating class did. And so I'm like, ha, gotcha. They're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you. Any job, like in any job, it could be you're a your funeral home director. There, there's probably something that's pretty common that happens all the time that you and everybody that works there probably find funny. So it it really doesn't matter what the job is. There's going to be something that you all talk about, just like as a doctor or a medical professional. I'm sure there are things that happen that probably annoy you or probably that you all grow to expect with a with a patient or a patient's family or something like that, I'm sure. So that kind of comedy where you can joke around about that kind of stuff, you know, that that would be very easy to apply to to any different job.
1: And and navigating the balance like you do such a good job of navigating the balance of professionalism. And right. Yeah, it, but maybe about a year ago, some nurses made a video. Um, but it was, I think it was received. It was more. It was mean. It was about like gross things that happened to patients, but it, in a way that maybe oh, like, yeah. made the patients feel bad. Um, and so, like that, that's that's that whole navigating the professionalism balance with yeah. the humor, because um, you don't you don't want to, as 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 a you know certainly as a medical professional, you don't want to do anything that's going to compromise your patients feeling safe with you
0: of course yeah and i mean i guess a good example of that for me not from the medical side but like a video videos that i do a lot of are kind of parody videos where i will take somebody's video like there's one that i did a good example is there's one that i did where this girl that has a a ton of followers and she's very popular she does these uh where she has her bag or whatever and she'll take the things out and she'll be like let me show you what's in my purse and like show you what it is. It's like, oh, okay. So me watching it, I'm like, this would be ridiculous if I did this with like a military bag and I pulled out all this military equipment. And so I posted that video. It was hilarious. You know, millions of views. And so some other girl posted it and said, this guy needs to be stopped. He's making fun of us as women. And I'm like, whoa,
1: oh no, that's not what I'm
0: doing. Mm -mm. So anyway, I did a response where I was like, you know, I actually think that this is great that this girl can express herself this way and that she's so positive with it and people like it like i think it's fantastic i'm just merely putting my spin on it and so the girl uh contacted me and was like thank you so much And so we're supposed to meet up and we're going to make a video together now where we're <laughs> i'm like trying to explain what's in her purse and she's trying to explain what's in my rucksack so yeah i think finding that fine line is very important but You know, doing it for the right reasons is is also very important. You know, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to make fun of anyone. It's it's merely just me putting my spin on it, my creative spin on whatever that video is. Mm -hmm. And I think that most people understand that at this point.
1: I think they do. I do. I agree with you. I think they do. And and it's, you know, when you've got like the, the influencer with their beautiful fingernails on the beautiful British car, and then you're oh, like, yeah. look at my, you know, look at my rugged American car that the door won't shut. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. And I yeah. can only imagine that it's, you know, it's actually free advertising for them. It's an homage of sorts. You know? It
0: really is. I mean, if, if anything, they're probably going to get more views because somebody else is doing a video, including their video. So,
1: yep, yep, I agree. And so as, as we're getting towards the end of this podcast, um, what advice would you have for a young military personnel, firefighter, medic um, who looks at your career and says, I want to be that guy?
0: Um, I, I would I would recommend anyone to, you know, make a list of all the things that you want to do and then get all the information about those jobs before you decide on one of them. That's what I tell people that even come into the recruiting office. They're like, well, I want to do this job. And I'm like, well, how do you know? And they'll tell me, you know, their dad's dad's second cousin's brother or something did that or whatever the reason is. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't we see what jobs you you qualify for? And I'm going to make you a list. And then I want you to take some time to go through all of those jobs. Pick the ones you're interested in, and then we'll talk about it that way you you get all of the information before you decide on one job that way you probably probably will enjoy that and even if you don't do that job for a little bit and then move on to the next one there's nothing saying that you have to stay in one career field for your entire life for your entire career so if you want to serve and you want to be of service to others you know they're there are hundreds of jobs that you can do that with you don't have to be a firefighter or an emt or a doctor or a soldier you know there, there are hundreds of things that you could do so i would say challenge yourself you know don't let anybody hold you back don't let anything hold you back um i would always try to do the most i you know i normally i can't go to sleep at night unless i know that i've learned something. During the day, if I haven't learned something, I'm probably going to YouTube something before I go to bed so that I can learn something. And so, having that kind of mindset where you can always be improving and always be better is very important.
1: One of the things I tell uh, some of my students is there's no failures. There's just redirections. Right. Like if exactly. you if you fail a test, like whatever it is that didn't work out the way you had planned or the way the way you had expected, like it's just it's a redirection. So figure out what's next. Right. Absolutely. Refocus. Well, I can't thank you enough. Do you have any parting thoughts for our guests?
0: No, I feel like I just had a TED talk in that last little segment that I said, so
1: it was awesome. Thank you. I, this is so great. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with me. It was a really fun conversation.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much for having me.
1: I loved it. I love, I love what you do and I'll, I'll be continuing to uh, be an ardent fan. Well, thank you very <laughs> so- much. <laughs> yes, and so and for anyone who didn't catch the beginning or forgot, like go to Instagram and it's at Butterworth and then Da D A Syrup, um, and it is it is hilarious and it's it's it just takes your mind off things and and you learn things occasionally too. So it's it's good do in you, that way. Do you want
0: to know uh, why I chose that name? Yes. So. My last name is Butterworth. And when I talk to people on the phone, they always put an S in between the butter and worth. So they say Buttersworth. So I say, no, it's Butterworth, like the pancake syrup. So then I'm like, well, that's a really easy name. Butterworth de syrup. Butterworth like the pancake.
1: <laughs> like it's so worth the syrup. Life. Like the butter's worth the syrup. I, I yeah. love that. Yeah. that uh, Very clever. Very yeah. clever. Everyone always calls me Spielberg. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, I actually, I glanced at your name at the bottom of the screen and I'm like Spielberg. No, it's not Spielberg, got
1: it. Not Spielberg, (laughs) but I'm a huge fan of his too. Um, So I want to thank our audience. I want to thank our guest, Tyler Butterworth, and thank our audience for listening to this episode. Uh, Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. And please also head over to the World Extreme Medicine website where you can find more engaging content on extreme medicine webinars. And our entire collection of courses from our global network, including humanitarian, disaster relief, expedition, space, tactical, marine, ocean, performance medicine, you name it. We have some really exciting things in store for you. And so thank you again for listening to the World Extreme Medicine podcast. And if you are listening, you too are an extreme medic and we welcome you to the extreme medicine family. Thanks again.
0: Thanks for listening to the episode. Please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to. Please also head over to the World Extreme Medicine website where you can find more engaging content on extreme medicine webinars and indeed the collection of courses from our global network, including humanitarian, disaster relief, expedition, space, military, tactical and performance medicine. Thanks again.